Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Glenda Lang. This is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. Today we're talking about chakras. I'm here with Lisa Erickson, an energy worker and the author of Chakra Empowerment for Women. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Linda. Thanks for having me. We were talking a little bit before the show because I have these amazing, I think they're amazing anyways, these chakra workshops that go all day. And most people think, oh my God, a whole day on one chakra. But your chakras are amazing. And there's so much growth and healing potential when you take that deep dive. So how did you jump into the world of chakras? Well, my first introduction was through meditation. So a little over more than 30 years ago, really, I went to meditation for stress management in my 20s. I was in a technology career and having stress headaches and walked into a meditation class, which was not so common then as it is now. It happened to be chakra meditation and it just really resonated for me. The energies, I realized I had experienced the world energetically throughout my childhood and not really known how to process that. And it just kicked off first this whole deep dive into Kundalini and chakra meditation and eventually into energy healing and a whole second career later on when I had my children and experienced some health issues that really triggered me to go deep, especially into women's health and women's chakras and how that could contribute, how our energy bodies change after the birth of a child and, and in many other transits. So it started out as spiritual and then it moved into healing for me. You teach that there's a difference between male and female chakra system? The chakra system to some extent in terms of where the energy is anchored. And then I think because the chakras are this intersection between our physical body, our emotional self, our spiritual self, there are also different emotional issues that women and men deal with because of cultural conditioning factors, experience factors. So there's at the physical body level, there's this difference really with the root and sacral chakra, you know, tied to that tailbone and that pelvis, which is also where our main physical differences are. There's a difference in those chakras and how they relate to the physical body. And then on the emotional level linked to the chakras, there's also differences in what kind of blocks we tend to experience because of our experience, because of our different life situations. So there's a lot of different levels to it. I think the inner layer of the chakras that really connects into the Kundalini and spiritual power is ungendered, but the chakras are multi-levels. So the level that connects to our physical body and our emotional self is impacted by gender. And then of course we have a lot of people, a growing number of people identifying as pangender, transgender, etc. So I really do view this as a spectrum. It's not purely binary. So it's kind of, you can learn about the spectrum and figure out where you feel your energy body fits on this spectrum, I guess is the way I would say it. And that can be helpful in terms of how you work with your chakras. Yeah, very interesting. So there are different ways depending on where you are on that spectrum that would benefit you to work with those particular chakras in general, the first and second. Is that correct? Yeah. And it reverberates through your whole system because they're the foundation of the house. 
and I think the main difference is that the masculine, the male energy body tends to be anchored in the root chakra, which is the traditional teaching. But a woman's energy body tends to be anchored in the sacral chakra, the kundalini is pulled there, which actually was taught in a lot of tantric traditions in classical times, but those teachings didn't necessarily come over because the initial teachers were male, the initial translators were male. So it's just taken some time for us to get the full body of traditional teachings and then the teachings evolve as we understand more about energy medicine as well. But that difference for women of being anchored in the second chakra, there's a lot to that because the second chakra is a yin receptive chakra. So because it's the anchor of our energy body, we tend to be more absorbent. We tend to be more empathic. We need to pay more attention to boundaries. Also, our energy shifts more with our reproductive cycles, our menstrual cycle monthly, during pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, menopause. Just like we have more pronounced physical shifts, we have more pronounced energetic shifts than the masculine energy body. It really makes sense, I would say. Why don't we start right at the beginning for the listeners who aren't very familiar with their chakras, where it is, and just a general overview of what that chakra is associated with. Yeah, and, and I like to say also that there are different chakra mappings, but I stuck in this book with the seven that most people in the West, if they've encountered the chakras, would be the most familiar with. So in that system, the first chakra is the root chakra. I use the focal point of the tailbone. It's connected to the legs and the feet. In energy medicine, it's connected to the adrenals, your skeletal system, your immune function. But emotionally and psychologically, it's linked to feeling present in your body, feeling grounded in your body, and your family systems, as well as money and a lot of things that just have to do with material life. And then the second chakra is one in which there are different placements, the second and third in different systems. So I really like to work with the sacral chakra pretty low for a woman in particular, the womb center, or really right at the cervix almost inside. And a woman who's had a hysterectomy, it's still in that same location, right? So it doesn't matter physically, the changes. And that, if the root chakra is our stable ground and earth, the sacral chakra is water, linked to the element water, and it is our fluidity. It's our ability to adjust. It's our emotional life, and it's our sensuality, our ability to experience pleasure. It's a give and take to some extent with the world and our environment, and of course, sexuality. And I work with a lot of sexual trauma survivors, so that's part of what got me really interested in the sacral chakra, because that's the chakra that really tends to get impacted. I'll go through the others a little faster. Those are my two big ones, the root and sacral I'm very into. So <laughs> um, for the third chakra, some people like to use a navel focal point and some a solar plexus. I prefer the navel focal point, but either way it rules that whole digestive area and it's linked to willpower, determination, our ability to execute our self-identity in the world. The heart chakra is the heart and lungs and it's the center, it's balance it's compassion, the ability to feel love and to receive love. The throat chakra, of course, is our ability to express ourselves, but not just through speech, really any kind of expression and communication. And it includes our ears. It also rules both our mouth and ears, so it also includes receiving feedback. So it's really the whole communication loop. 
And then our third eye in our forehead is the three eyes, insight, imagination, and intuition. And then our crown is really about meaning. And that can be spiritual faith, but it can also simply be how we find meaning and purpose in life and our connection to that. So that is the not quite 30 second overview. <laughs> the shortest I can do personally. <laughs> so Lisa, you didn't mention creation or manifestation when you talked about the second chakra. Well, it is linked to creation. On a spiritual level, it's linked to our primordial creative energies. But I really view manifesting and creating things in our lives as a full chakra, full person uh, expression. And traditionally, the upward pathway of the chakras is the spiritual pathway, shifting the kundalini upward into your crown to experience mystical of the mystical side of life, right? <laughs> the title of your show. And I view the downward pathway as the birthing process of co-creation. Anything that you're going to create, you have to first either receive it or see it, vision it. And then you have to communicate it and connect with people around it and then organize it. That's your navel and execute on it. And then you're birthing it with that sacral creative energy and that root chakra practical material relationship to the world that's how you make something manifest so i really view the whole downward pathway as one of manifesting yeah i actually agree with you i think all of the chakras work together mm -hmm. and they can also become i don't want to say fragmented and maybe damaged mm -hmm. due to life experiences or how we interpret life so that second chakra, particularly because of the nature of sexuality and how much shame people hold. Can you talk a little bit about how that chakra gets damaged sometimes? Yeah. I, and any of the chakras can be, we have imprints, we can have blocks to the particular expressions of a chakra, or we can have imbalances between them. We can be too centered in one and the other one is, is not expressing. So, so a lot of different energy things that can occur. I think with the sacral chakra, shame and self-blame, as you mentioned, and sort of a, we have a lot of cultural problems with sexuality in general and women in terms of our worth being tied to our sexual attractiveness and body image all of those things impact our ability to really experience our sacral chakra as this fountain, really, of procreative energies, not necessarily tied to birth, of sexual energies, not necessarily tied to sex. And just being able to experience our body as pleasurable, but not shameful. And our sexual energies as just part of life without all the other baggage, right? And so any sort of conditioning, or if we experience sexual abuse or assault, all of those kinds of things can cause those energies to be blocked. Or, and this is what I often see with sexual abuse and assault survivors, to disassociate from those lower chakras. Someone will live up in the upper chakras, or when they're triggered and anxious, they have survival mechanisms that they developed to kind of leave those chakras and not be fully present in their body. And so it's really about learning to get more presence in the body. And that's really tied to that first and second chakra. So how can someone determine whether or not they have a blockage 
or an issue with that second chakra? Really, it's looking at your relationship to your body. Is it one of shame? Is it one of constant judgment? Can you celebrate your body and what it does for you? Really, if you have feelings of shame, blame, guilt, self-blame, if you're always feeling guilty, uh, women, there was once a study on how many times we tend to say, I'm sorry, you know, to some extent that's a conditioned pattern, but if you're always feeling sorry, always feeling responsible, also obviously your ability to just experience pleasure in your body and not simply sexual pleasure, but just can you enjoy, can you sit and eat your favorite fruit and really allow yourself to taste it? Can you experience, you know, a nice fabric and really feel it? Can you take a bath? Can you nurture yourself? Can you self-care? If those things are really challenging or not something that you allow in, that's usually a sign that you're not fully connected to that sacral chakra. And of course, sexuality is a big one. If sexuality is an issue, either not being able to engage in sexuality or cutting it off or unhealthy sexual behavior, that's kind of the spectrum. Both of those are a sign that you could really benefit from working with that sacral chakra. How would you suggest people start to heal that chakra? We have male listeners and female listeners. So maybe you could give a couple tips for both sides. Well, and what I really believe in is everyone can do just little mini activations. You don't have to engage in chakra meditation. Of course, there's energy healing work with people like you and me where we're actually helping someone as well, but anyone can do it on their own. So what I've tried to offer in the book is activations that have a few doorways in. They have a visual you can use if you're very visual. They have affirmations if you're more into the spoken word, or you can use memory because we all have little experiences of what it might be like to allow pleasure in or feeling grounded in our body that we can use. Memory is very powerful. You can kind of magnify that. So I think finding these little doorways into magnifying those particular energies, in the case of the sacral chakra, really indulging in pleasurable moments of sensual pleasure. Visualizing in your sacral chakra a beautiful orange light or what I call the sacral lotus, a flower opening in the sacral chakra that is, yeah, that sense of opening is really key to the sacral chakra. And just doing that a few times a day is really helpful. And then of course, if you feel you need more continued or continuous emotional work, you can engage with someone that can help you with that. So I think the second chakra really impacts all of our relationships, not just our romantic partners. Yeah, I agree. It's our whole emotional life. And then especially parenting, because there's a mother-child energy line that's rooted there. Then, of course, we have a line to our own mother. So it impacts on every level. It's really like this intersection point when it comes to family as well. And so as people start working with the second chakra, is it typical for maybe some buried emotion or buried issues to start to surface? That definitely can be one of the impacts or emotional swinging, feeling as if all of a sudden, if someone has sort of clamped down on their emotions as a coping mechanism, when you start working with the sacral chakra, you're really trying to gently open your window of tolerance, your sense of what emotions you can allow yourself to feel and be comfortable with them. So pacing is important, 
and really supporting yourself and self-care and getting this sense of this balance point that the emotions are occurring around almost like you don't have to feel as if your emotions are so overwhelming if you find the right balance between your root and your sacral the root is like that grounding stabilizing force beneath you and then the sacral are the emotions on top of that but you have that ground all the time to ride them and be with them wonderful i think first of all that people would be open to the chakra system and the energetic side of things to help bring a little more balance and healing into their life what is the number one suggestion you give your clients when they come to see you it's almost always about trying to heal dissociative patterns patterns of dissociating from presence with the body so our first work is almost always getting really connected to the body really connected to the root chakra first even before we work with any shame that might be held in the sacral chakra or self-blame so we do a lot of work visually with kind of imagining the energy body and tying it into the root but then also a lot of somatic work where do you feel anxiety in your body can you describe it viscerally because that kind of work actually helps link your energy body your emotional body into your root chakra in a way that allows all of the other work to be more beneficial so i think that's the first step is identifying ways that you might be disassociating from your body and coming back into it i've met a number of spiritual people not necessarily people that have had any kind of sexual trauma but they have that same kind of disassociation that they think that it's better to be in spirit than in the body or perhaps that you can't actually connect with the spirit in the body but really you can yeah and i actually think that's what the chakras are meant to be i mean when you really activate and feel balanced in your chakras you're feeling it in your physical body too tremendous bliss so you don't really want to escape <laughs> you want to be in your body and they are this intersection point it's a very embodied spirituality and i agree i think the population that that i tend to get in you too cuz you do chakra work is a lot of individuals that are interested only in that upward pathway and often when we're working more deeply it turns out that itself has become a form of disassociation and we have to really work on that downward pathway on how do you feel light in your body in your relationships in your everyday in your job you know when you're eating and when that all comes together there's just so much more richness to life uh and being present with it and it's hard in today's world it's very overwhelming at times and if you have any history of trauma it's even more overwhelming the world we look at the news every day it's full of scary things so learning how to be present with that is not easy but it offers a much richer experience of life. And so do you have any tips on how to keep that second chakra healthy? Well, there's uh working with it in terms of visualizations, activations, whatever works for you to really connect with it and feel it viscerally in your body. I think energetic boundaries are important. So I really like to work with the root and navel. They're like the protectors on either side of the sacral and really feeling like those three chakras are working together. 
and those two are protecting that sacral so you can really allow that sacral to flow and that power to come forward. So working with those three, all of them. Then just in general, time in water, around water, is cleansing particularly to the sacral chakra. Uh, foods that are rooted in water, like seaweed and seafood, all of these are linked to the sacral chakra, as well as orange foods, and the color orange is often linked to it. Time in nature, really both the lower chakras, is it's very cleansing the uh, prana that we get from time in a pure place or time near water sitting by the beach all of these things i think self-care and nurturing is particularly important for the sacral chakra those energies in a way they can't come forward unless we are relaxed and feeling safe so it's about creating that nesting feeling in your home and giving yourself times each day, each week, each month, to relax into that, feel safe, feel cozy. And that's when you're most likely to open up that sacral chakra. I'll on occasion get a person who tells me that they have one chakra that is completely blocked. Mm. I've never seen a chakra that's like 100% mm. blocked or dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. Have you? No, I don't really like even this kind of talking around blocked and unblocked because there are levels to the chakras and it's like in a particular situation in a day, you could feel like it's completely blocked because you got triggered into great fear or something, you just completely closed down. That doesn't mean that sort of, say you close down your heart, that doesn't mean over the course of your whole life, your, your heart is blocked at kind of the karmic level of your body so there's levels to it so when people say i got my chakras open today they're all open it's like okay that's like taking a shower that's great but three days from now you're going to smell you know? <laughs> so if you don't shower again and that's sort of the, the same there's the maintenance level of our chakras and then there's the deeper work of our psyche and our physical body and no i i don't think in terms of anything ever being completely blocked there's maybe one, you and so it's helpful in that case to really identify, no, what is the one area of that chakra that actually is open because then you can use that, you can magnify that, as opposed to just focusing on clearing the blocks. You can focus on increasing what is there, and that can be really empowering for someone to change their story around it, I think. Yeah, I agree as well, and because chakras are energy, they're in movement, even within a day or around a certain person, right? Having certain thoughts, your energy field is changing all the time. It's very vital. Definitely agree. It's uh, always shifting and we have these different levels that we're relating to people and our lives. And so it's that, it, that's what our energy reflects is that fluidity. And whether you realize you have a chakra system or not, those chakras are all doing their best to keep you as balanced and aligned as possible in any given moment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and for women, I, we didn't get into this, but the, it really shifts with our different stages of life and even our menstrual cycle. So all of these things impact our energy body, the way it waxes and wanes, you could say. So it's very interesting to tune into that, very empowering to tune into it one of the main uh, topics of chakra empowerment for women is really how women can connect those different phases of their life. It's uh, fascinating. 
Now, is there anything else you'd like to share, Lisa, before we wrap up? Just that, as you already mentioned, everyone has a chakra system. It's been functioning whether you were tuned into it or not. It's tremendously powerful to tune into it, and anyone can do it. You don't have to feel like, oh, I'm not a crystal person, so I don't want to do that. There's a lot of sort of stereotypes out there around the chakras and working with them, but it really can be as simple as just focusing with a hand over your heart. And for some people, it's more psychological. It's more emotional therapeutic work. They relate more to that side of it, and as I do, really. And I think it has something of value for everyone. So dive in. And the other thing I'd like to say is that it's not associated with any particular religion. Yeah, chakra systems are found around the world. In it's not always use the word chakra, but it, because that's a Sanskrit ancient Indian word. But all over the world, there are energy center mappings, and it's remarkable how similar they are. So that's really validating and fascinating, I think. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest today, Lisa, and I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's episode of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. You'll find us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor.fm. You'll find me at ThoughtChange.com. Come and pick up your copy of Learning to Listen, and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now.